0: got a death sentence hanging over him, uh, and uh, he knows persecution is heading the Philippians way as well. Believing is going to mean suffering for them. So chapter one ends with these lines. He says, uh, it's been granted you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Actually, I don't know how he could write it straight, or you could hear it straight, it's been granted to you. I've got a real present for you. Do you know, you Christians, you're not only going to believe in Jesus, but you can suffer for him as well. What a privilege. Yeah, the present no one wants to open. But they're going to have to. Since you're going through the same struggle, he goes on, that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. So, how will they have? 1, in verse 27, he says this. He says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner uh, worthy of the gospel. Um, What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, the only he says conduct yourselves, it's plural. It's how we respond together. And it looks like they're striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. That's how you live in the squeeze. That's how you live worthy of the gospel, striving together as one. Could that when the squeeze comes on, what we do best is divide. You know, some of us disappear, like the catcher. others of us just disagree. You're trigger happy uh, and square up, I'm a wimp and back off. Uh, you cause waves and get hurt, and then I have to your founding pastor is locked up. Is it? Oh, Steve and Dave have been jailed. Uh, uh, yeah, well, what do you think that's going to look like uh, uh, for Christians living? You belong to a church that they leave you. Well, yes, but, you know, they're pretty brash. If only they were just a bit more flexible, life would be a lot, all that kind of stuff starts coming in. And uh, here they are uh, trying to handle this. All rights to hold the church together. He writes to remind them how to live in the squeeze. So, our chapter 2 begins, Therefore, because this is where you're going to have to live, in the squeeze, if you've any encouragement in Christ, he says, and you have, if you've got any comfort from his love, oh, and you have, if you've got any common sharing in the Spirit, and you have, and that's really as they come trotting out one after another after another, he's really saying, Remember your identity. It's not that you're brash and I'm a wimp, it's that we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, then, he says, verse 2, make my joy complete. And here's how by being like minded, by having the same love, by being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish conceit, verse three. Don't do things to steal a march and get one up on each other. Rather, verse three, in humility, value others above yourself. Value others above yourself. It, it's not the sort of fiction where I pretend you're better at something than me when you're not. It's not British false modesty. You know the thing, you know, someone says, Oh, why why don't we have a game of tennis? And, oh, you know, you've quite enjoyed play. Uh, and then you suddenly realize you better just sort of catch up. Is, are you any good at tennis? Uh, if the chap says he's very good, you probably don't need to worry too much. They're probably just brash, you know, overconfident. The one to watch out for is, well, not bad. They're probably a double blue and national champion. Uh, it's, it's not that sort of stuff here. He explains it in verse 4. It's not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Not putting, uh, you know, I I put your interests ahead of mine. It's not me being a doormat, because Paul's speaking of a choice to be made here, a mindset to adopt. Uh, It's a gospel of Christ mindset, if you like. It's how to live in the squeeze Uh, And that's the setting they had to live in, and so do we. The setting, living in the squeeze. Okay, and here's the saying uh, that I think sums up what his answer is. It's a strange slogan, really. It's a principle that holds it together. Uh, The way to up is down. The the saying, the way to up is down. That is the Savior's mindset in verses 6 to 8. Value others above yourselves. The way to up is down. Get under Jesus' skin, because he's the key to the story, uh, and actually, this is the key to his story. Get into Jesus' head, uh, and that's the saying that he lives out. So verse six. Being in very nature God, he didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Uh, By the way, if you read all the scholars on this, they'll start to tell you things like, they think this was probably an early Christian poem, uh, which is, I'm sure, why uh, we printed it in our Bibles looking at if it. it could be poetry here. I'm not totally convinced. Um, poems or anything don't normally begin with who being in. Um, an odd start, isn't it? But anyway, it doesn't really matter. Uh, the meaning is the key thing. Uh, I, I don't know See, I, I don't know what it would look like for you to live out your dream life. Um, or if most of that's gone by, uh, till about your dream retirement. You know, now we've thrown COVID off and the opportunities are there. I'm starting to work it out, uh, but Claire won't let me. You know, the sun, the cruise, the villa, the, the, the golf. The, well, there we are, the slippers. Um, <laughs> but we 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 do come from a, a pretty. sort of uh, expect all kinds of things. Uh, Actually, Jesus, of course, was entitled. He was, in very nature, God. But he's going to give it up for the sake of others. Uh, He didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, verse 7, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Now, being made human may not sound like nothing to us. But when your starting point is God, and you choose to become a nobody, when you're going to go from in very nature God to made in human likeness, that is a big step down. I don't know whether you've ever seen that TV program, um, Undercover Boss, uh, It's where the owner of some uh, business uh, just goes on to the sort of shop floor level. Um, They they run a few series of it. Uh, One of them I remember watching was a a refuse company owner uh, who went on the bin lorry for a week. It really opened his eyes to what actually went on in the business he was running. Um, They did it for a week. Jesus didn't do it for a week. This was for life. This was for eternity. And it didn't stop there. You see, verse 8, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That last little bit, even death on a cross, as a line full of the shame, the stigma, the disgrace of such a death. So awful, no Roman would talk of it, and Jews would see it as a God-accursed end. Yet, this humiliation is self-inflicted. He made himself nothing. He humbled himself. You know, it's not, not like Prince Andrew running a car crash interview and landing up in disgrace. Uh, he chooses to step this way. This is the move that saved us, that death on the cross. Uh, I know some talk as if Jesus was kind of the good cop rescuing us from an angry father, the bad cop. But his love for us, his valuing of our interests above his own, uh, took him to the cross, most certainly. But that's not even quite what it says here, is it? It speaks of his obedience in verse 8. He became obedient to death. Obedient to the Father. Father and Son are in it together. This is their rescue, not just his. They shared the same mindset. Father gave his Son, Jesus gave his life for our great rescue. Jesus willingly valued the Father's wishes, his great plan, above his own safety, his own ease, his own comfort. And the Christian says, that's my rescuer. That's my Christ. That's my God. Wonder at him. Wonder at him. Have you found any cause anyone else as worth giving your life to as this Jesus? And you see, read on, verses 9 to 11, because the way to up is down because God is excited by this mindset. Look how verse 9 begins. Therefore... Therefore, because the son humbled himself and went down even to death on a cross, therefore, well, what would God do for a wreck of a man executed in shame to rescue others he valued above his own interests? Well, give him the highest honor, verse 9. Give him the greatest name, verse 10. Make him the only Lord, verse 11. That's our goal. This is his mindset, not to lord it and dominate and oppress. The more I think of it, the more it blows me away that he should care like that, that he should notice people like that. That's why the way to up is down. The setting, living in the squeeze, the saying, the way to up is down. What is perhaps even more breathtaking when that sinks in is that the apostle shines the light on this extraordinary self-giving mindset of Jesus's and says it it mustn't stay with Jesus. See, come back to verse 5 as he uh, starts this passage. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. See, his saying is to be our saying. His mindset is meant to be our mindset. The way to up is down. Value others above yourselves. It's not just a Jesus way of thinking and living. It's meant to be a disciple's mindset too. And it won't just happen. Uh, We'll have to work at it. We'll have to build it into our schedule, if you like. So here's... This other the point, that the, the schedule is that it's a, a disciple's mindset and it needs a disciple's workout. That's verses 12 to 18. The punchline to that extraordinary description of Jesus, you see, comes at one of my little bees in my bonnet is, you know the subheadings they have in the Bible? You know, the NIV version suddenly puts a subheading in, do everything without grumbling, which is, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, it's picked out of a verse that's coming but it suddenly makes you think that everything ends at verse 11 and verse 12's moving on to something else. It's not. It wasn't in the original, by the way, the the little bold subheadings. Some editors made them up. Forget about them. Verse 11 gets there, and here is the punchline to verse 11 in verse 12. Therefore, therefore, he says, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation. You see, he turns from Jesus to the Philippian disciples and he says, continue to work out your salvation. And notice it is work out, not work for your salvation. It's Jesus' work that saves us. But he says, live it out. What he's won for us, the rescued life, the transformed life, the Jesus' mindset life, that saying about the way to up is down. And you see, work out your salvation is not just a call for me to live my life as a Christian disciple in response to all Jesus has done for me. True though all those things are, it's actually a call for us to do it together with fear and trembling, which doesn't mean with terror. But with great care. With great care. Uh, Nothing slapdash about discipleship. Don't just drift into it. You see, it's you helping me to take following Jesus seriously and vice versa. And he hasn't left us to work it out on our own. You see, verse 13. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. It's um, all the time God is working in us to to move us in the right directions. It's it's like having your own personal trainer. Uh, I don't know if you, I've, I've never had a personal trainer, but I once got a lesson off a personal trainer. I'd wandered into a gym where I used to sort of plod on the. Uh, one or two little machines to look as if I was doing some exercise. And uh, this, this woman came up to me and said, she was a personal trainer, the chap hadn't turned up for uh, the lesson he meant to have, would I like a sort of freebie? Well, uh, you know, who turns down freebies? So I said that was, was great, it was a big mistake. <laughs> oh, the things she made me do. And she knew exactly which button to press, you know, to bring out my competitive juices. So I got to do another five of these, uh, you know, or to sort of sound uh, oozingly encouraging and everything else. Um, I, I mean, you know, I went through 20 minutes of it. I got to the end. I mean, the great disappointment for her when she tried to sign me up for other lessons. I couldn't afford one lesson, <laughs> never mind a group of them. So she got nothing out of it. But I can remember sort of staggering home, which was about two minutes' walk. Uh, and kind of collapsing into the bath, which I had to. And the next day, the number of muscles that ached were extraordinary. And I realized, of course, without the personal trainer, I'd have just done my little sort of um, little workout and I'd have strolled back home and yeah, yeah. I actually did far more in 20 minutes than I'd have done in probably 20 weeks worth of going to the gym. Uh, Well, it's as if we've got our own personal trainer at work in here that does. God, who's changing our wills so that we will what is right and good and putting others above ourselves. And his call to them and to us is to live in such a way that, well, verse 15, we shine like stars in the sky. It's a wonderful picture, isn't it, of uh, little lights going on, you know, in the, the, the middle of winter in Cambridge, wherever you go, there's a little light here. Oh, there's another Christian there. Oh, there's a little cluster of them there. I didn't realize there was someone else in the firm. Uh, You you can see it all coming. Others in the school. And suddenly, you know, if there's three or four of you, you are a remarkable, uh, you've got remarkable influence compared with one. (laughs) Shine like stars in the sky. But the apostle knows Christian discipleships never lived out in a world where everyone is nice and kind and tolerant. And he wants his readers, he wants us to get real. He's writing from jail. He's imprisoned for his faith. He's losing his freedom for Christ. He's writing to those about to face something similar with persecution coming over the horizon towards them. And he uses a phrase in verse 15, a warped and crooked generation, which is where you've got to shine like stars, in the sky uh, uh, that Old Testament prophets use speaking of God's people. It's a phrase to warn us that this can be the setting for our discipleship within church life as well as outside of it. Uh, And the battle starts young. Uh, I've got a friend who does a lot of work with uh, uh, student Christian unions, universities, colleges and so on. And he speaks of how hostile secular society can be to the Christian faith but he thinks it's even tougher for Christian teenagers at school. Uh, Often, Christianity is variously ignored or attacked in lessons and the secular establishment now regards biblical sexual ethics to be regressive and dangerous, he said. And when I said, how how do Christians cope? He said, I I think they live in two watertight compartments. You know, there's the Christian compartment for home and church. And then you get to school and you inhabit the same secular space as everyone else. Uh, I skipped all those problems by not getting converted till after our school had finished. But I do realize for folk who go through it, you know, that is the time when we're least equipped to handle those kind of knocks and squeezes uh, and they can seem most uh, hostile to us. Yet... Um, you know, there's no hiding place offered by the apostle, no locking ourselves away in some remnant or sect or two watertight compartments for us. So look closely at verse 15. You see where he says, Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky, all mixed up in there among them. It's never the sort of star that's right over there, uh, uh, out of range of any dangers. Value others above yourselves. The way to up is down. What does it actually look like in practice? Well, it's going to look very differently for different people, isn't it? Um, I was just hearing the other day a couple of small group leaders in uh, London uh, uh, London Church spent six hours one day listening to and helping a needy member of the group. In a cash-rich, time-poor community, that is both very impressive and very attractive, isn't it? Uh, If my Christian life has to be lived in the squeeze, I want them leading my small group. Or, um, uh, I came across this next year uh, the Olympics will be in Paris. It's, uh, I think, about 100 years since it was last there. And, and the last time round was the Olympics where, uh, I- in Paris, where Eric Liddell uh, ran. Eric Little, the Scottish rugby international, who was also uh, an uh, Olympic gold medal a- athlete. Uh, his story in the, the Chariots of Fire film, if you've seen that or can remember it. Um, later on, After that was all done, uh, Little was a Christian man. Uh, He went as a Christian missionary to China. Uh, He actually died in a Japanese civilian internment camp uh, in 1945. Uh, I knew someone who'd also been brought up as a little kid in uh, that camp. And he told me stories of Eric Little there which fitted in with what I just read recently about him. the account of how Little lived in the camp and served others' interests there. This is what this guy wrote. Little took extra turns at pumping water. He cleaned the latrines, he chopped wood, rolled coal balls before taking that fuel to the elderly. He swept floors, he took away garbage, he carted sacks and food supplies, helped out in the kitchen, he played chess. Now listen to this, I play chess to win, he played chess to stoke the competitive spirit of those who seemed resigned to giving up as prisoners. I'm not even thinking of that. He did numerous odd jobs shifting furniture, hanging washing lines, completing fiddly repairs. He put up a row of shelves for one of the prostitutes. She said afterwards that Little was the only man there to have come into her room without demanding favors. about you, but what I found so striking was those all little ordinary things that the great man, the Olympic gold medalist, the international rugby player, you know, wasn't above stooping down to do to help others. Shine like stars. It's a great picture. You know, If each of us was a star that just lit up uh, wherever we went. And it's a challenge for us. Together as well as individually one of the uh, baptisms that will always stick in my mind was we'll, we'll call her Barbara because that's so obviously not her name um, Barbara was uh, Iranian brought up in Tehran uh, brought up uh, as, a, as a Muslim though she said uh, I have always told the Imam I, I can't connect with this God you're talking about she comes over to this country she comes over to to London, she uh, meets with other Christians, she becomes a Christian herself. She goes home to uh, uh, Tehran one Christmas and uh, tells her parents that she's become a Christian. From that moment, her mother has not said another word to her. Uh, She comes back to London and uh, she wants to get baptized and um, we're coming uh, to the baptism and. Uh, I nearly always just had a little opportunity for whoever was about to be baptized to tell something of their story and Barbara's telling a story and, and she's telling about going home. She's telling about saying she was a Christian and her mother not speaking to her and she was being cut off from the family. And as she did that, she choked up and um, you could see the tears starting to come uh, and we'd gone through, she knew I wasn't springing questions on her and everything, but you could sort of suddenly see everyone tense. Is she not going to get through this? And I'm thinking, what do I do? Do I tell the rest of the story? But suddenly she straightens up and she says, no, she says, it's all right. She says, you're my family now. Suddenly you realize the whole congregation who thinks we're just going through another baptism, if you like, suddenly there's an onus on them. They're about to make promises of, of support that, They're going to be asked to keep. Now, they kept it brilliantly in terms of uh, uh, looking after, providing accommodation, food, she she made an asylum application, seeing it through till she got asylum. Uh, But it was just this wonderful uh, uh, moment where people suddenly realized responsibilities to one another. Uh, And uh, you shine like stars in the sense that you look after others. Great moment. It was a great moment too. Uh, just the other week in Cheltenham again, we uh, said last night we were having some baptisms there, and uh, here's this fifty-something or other, at least that's what he looked. Uh, guy who had clearly had some uh, pretty appalling church experiences before. Uh, it had driven him away from from there, and he'd come back. Uh, no one quite knows why. Uh, and he said, I I came back to this church, and I was just struck by how people loved each other. And he said, uh, I want to thank you for being a church I want to be part of. Great line when you've actually been driven away from Christian things by a church experience. Thank you for being a church I want to be part of. Well, a church where people put others' interests ahead of their own, would be a church I'd want to be part of. Would be a church that would be attractive to all kinds of people. Would be a church that was shining like stars in the sky. Inside, outside, big stands, little jobs. The setting. Living in the squeeze. We we can't avoid it. It's coming bit by bit in this country and you'll know bits where the squeeze comes on, where it's getting harder to be Christians uh, and so on. Um, Every hot dog will be a reminder to you. (laughs) This is how we live. But we can stand firm together as brother and sister Christians. The saying, the way to up is down. Jesus lived it and calls us to follow in his steps. It's actually the key to our salvation. It's what uh, you and I are relying on if we're saved and the schedule. The, the disciples work out intentionally valuing others above myself. So even on a time like this, I'm saying, Lord, who can I serve today? Lord, make me willing to serve others today. It could be an uncomfortable prayer to pray. Why don't we have a moment's silence? A moment maybe to think and reflect on what we're being told here. A moment maybe to say, Lord, who can I serve today? we've responded um, for ourselves, Um, we're going to respond together now in the words of um, a final song for this morning. Um, So as the band starts, um, do stand um, as we sing of Jesus, the name above all names.